So key value number four, unity. Now we unite around a lot of different things, right? Some of us, we unite around our favorite type of music. Eurovision was last night. Yes, and some of us go, hmm. Well, some people unite around Eurovision and love all those different kinds of music. Some unite around country music, rap music, hard rock, folk, whatever it might be, worship. But we find things to unite around. We sometimes unite around a political party, can do that. That kind of just makes a huge impact in our life and what we do. We may unite around our Olympic team. Anyone else big Olympic fans? You watch the Olympics, summer or winter? Okay, there's a few of us. For those of you who don't, well, when you live in not your home country and the Olympics comes around, I think there were times Brian looked at me when we lived in the U.S. and he's like, I didn't know she was such a Swedish patriot. But man, when that Swedish team came out, especially Winter Olympics, okay, we can't even talk really about Summer Olympics, but Winter Olympics, Swedish hockey, downhill skiing, and this is recorded. Oh, well, it'll be on the recording. In college, I made so much money betting on Sweden in the Olympics. Yeah, because everyone's like, yeah, U.S. hockey, they're the best. I'm like, oh, no, 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 you have not seen the Swedish hockey team. Oh, I got dinners, I got a bottle of Coke, I got cash. It was awesome because everyone was betting against the Swedish hockey team. Never bet against the Swedish hockey team. But again, we unite around certain things. I have a video of our youngest one where... Um, no offense to my Canadian friends in the room, but I have a video of Madeline, and she is like three or four years old, and she's like, Hey, Sverige, boo Canada! Hey, Sverige, boo Canada! Because she was not cheering for Canada in the Olympics. So, though I do think that year Canada beat us, but that's a whole other story. We rally against around sports teams, right? We have our jerseys, we have our uh, shirts, we have our scarves, we have our hats. We unite around a lot of things. Well, let's, let's take a look at the video I have here, and, and let's look what happens when we unite around a certain sport. Right? We gather. We clap. We get excited. Our emotions go, wow, this is what we're doing. We're totally united. We may unite around food, around hobbies, around movies. One of the things we have to be careful of is to make sure that we do not unite around the wrong things, but that we choose to unite around the right things. There are moments we buy the t-shirt, we spend money to attend the event, we sing the song. Um, Brian and I saw a lot of funny songs last night as we were going through clips and, and trying to find the right clip. People are almost fanatic when it comes to what they unite around. But unity gives us a sense of community. Unity, it's what pulls us together. I look around this room this morning, we come from so many different backgrounds, countries, we're different ages, different experiences, but we are here in this church to worship Jesus Christ. So we have come together as a community, which is an awesome thing. Unity is vital to building a strong and vibrant church. 
We have dreams to build a strong church here in Stockholm. That Stockholm Community Church would make a huge difference in this city. It would make a difference in, in families and in couples and in kids and that we would be part of social justice, whatever it might be. But we have to be united. So the passage today that we're going to be diving into is out of Ephesians, and it's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And I want to give you a little bit of a background. If you haven't read Ephesians a whole lot or know maybe the background story to Ephesians, the letter uh, to the church in Ephesus was written by Paul. Paul um, was a Jew. He was actually like high up within the religious order, in the Jewish religious order. He was considered a zealot. And one of the things that Paul did was he was very, very passionate about murdering Christians. He hunted them down and killed them. And he was, I mean, he knew the Old Testament. So he was considered this amazing Jewish leader who believed that Christians should not exist. Well, one day, Paul had this amazing encounter with Jesus. And it like completely transformed his life. It completely changed it. Where he went from hunting down, chasing down Christians to becoming one and being probably the biggest influencer that we had when it comes to encouraging and equipping and teaching the different churches. Paul was also a citizen of Rome. And you may say, well, what does that matter? Well, Rome was the big empire back in that day. And so, so Paul, he had rights as a Roman citizen. Now, when Paul writes this letter in a, er, to the church of Ephesus, he's actually sitting in prison. He has been imprisoned for his faith. And one of the things, and I want you to have this a little bit in the back of your head, Paul had this, used to have, before he encountered Jesus, he had this great life. He had status. He had influence, and then he encountered Jesus, and everything changed, and he got purpose, and he got direction, but if you look at the circumstances in Paul's life, they actually got worse. He was beaten. He was thrown into prison, but from that place, he writes this, and I believe it will be up on the screen behind me, and it's in Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. In the light of all of this, here's what I want you to do. While I am locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there, walk, better yet, run, on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourself out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences, and quick at mending fences. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. 
Wow. There's a lot of stuff in those six verses that we read in Ephesians. And so the first thing I want us to do is to see what Paul is telling us to do. He says, run with your faith. He says, I don't want you to get out there and walk. I want you to run on the road that God has called you to travel. Don't sit around on your hands. Don't go strolling off on some path that leads to nowhere. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, we are meant to run this race, run this life, this journey that God has given us to the fullest. It's not just about Sundays, because you know what? Sundays is a small part of it. It's my everyday, everything that I do. Am I running towards the life that God has for me? Now, Running this race means I have to live out my life. I have to live out my faith on a daily basis. Am I giving him my best? Am I giving him my time? Am I giving him my finances, my resources, my heart? Because, see, when I'm giving God all of those things, when I'm running in the direction that God has me going on, it's hard to run the wrong way. So a few years... I uh, made a commitment at New Year's, it was 2002 to 2003, we were sitting around and um, someone in our group got this great idea, hey, let's do something that we have never done before, let's run a half marathon. I don't know who came up with that idea, but there were three of us who said at that moment, yes, let's do it. Do I have any half marathoners or runners? Okay, got, got one hand maybe. Okay, so you're kind of like me, okay? At that point, running was not my passion. The half marathon we were going to do was going to be in September. So I had nine months to train. So I start Googling. I get a book. I start running. It is like raining out. It is snowing out. I am running. Well, let's just say out of the three of us who made the commitment, we all paid our registration fee. We were so committed that, that New Year's Eve, we went in and logged in, and we paid our $100 so we could run. Well, someone didn't start, and someone got injured, and so I found myself at the end of the summer being the only one who was driving down to uh, Wright Pat Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio, to run my half marathon but I had spent nine months training. I had gotten up to running 10, you know, gotten up to 10 miles because they say not to run actually the whole distance before you go. Um, man, I was running out of shoes. I had to get new shoes and I had to get new training clothes. But I remember driving down there to Wright Pat Air Force Base and I was all by myself. And I was nervous. I didn't know anyone. It was early in the morning, and everyone else looked so stinking professional, like they knew exactly what to do. And there I stood, going, I got my shoes, I got my outfit, I got my AirPods in. And someone saw me, came over and said, is this your first time? I'm like, oh, how did you know? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you are going to have a blast today. You're going to love this. And I was like, okay, sure. And so I get, and there were, there was literally thousands of us running that day. And I remember I started running. 
And as I'm running, I'm following someone who's got a sign. And that was my pacer. Because it was so important that I didn't run too fast in the beginning or that I slowed down too much in the middle or started walking. So I had my pacer who I followed. And so we're running, and, and trust me, it's like an over two-hour thing for me to finish this half marathon. And um, I'm running, and, and, and the story will make sense later, but there was this one girl. She would, like, sprint past me, like, just sprint past me. And I was like, okay, wow, she's in a hurry. But then she would stop, and she would start walking. So then there I came in my steady pace, and I passed her. I'm like, oh. Okay, I'm just running. And then all of a sudden, she came sprinting past me again. I was like, oh, she got her second win. Awesome, good for her. And a little bit later, I got my pace. She's walking. And I'll tell you, it was so frustrating because she kept sprinting past me, and then she would walk. And she would sprint past me, and she would walk. And I'd be like, just run slow, girl, and we'll be on the same path here. We'll be good. But I remember I, I ran down, it was, we would run down the, the airstrip along big military airplanes as we was coming up to the finish line. And there stood people cheering me on. They didn't know me. They didn't know my name. Way to go. You're doing awesome. You did it. And I remember crossing the finish line. And there actually happened to be a friend. She was cheering on her husband who was running. But this is my picture as I have just crossed the finish line. Look at that. Woo! You know? And there was just something amazing to say. I have run the race. And I've done it at a pace that was good. And I timed it. And I had people cheering me along. And here, look. And I had to bring this with. There were not many things we brought with us from the U.S. But I brought my running jersey with. And here it says, it's an official Air Force marathon. Full half, 10K, and 5K. So I didn't do the full, but I did the half. Look at that back. Isn't that awesome? And I remember, I ran in this this week, actually, and it just reminded me, keep running the race. Keep running the race. Don't walk the race. Keep running the race. Now, our running in some seasons may not be super fast, but as long as we keep running in the direction that God has pointed us, we're going to get across that finish line. And I'll tell you, when she took my picture and I went like this, ah, there was just such a, I did it. And that's what Jesus wants us to do with our faith. He wants us to run with it, with everything that we have. Now, one of the things that Paul urges us to do, and he says this, as you're running, mark that you do this with humility and discipline, but steadily be pouring yourself out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences, and at mending fences. So Jesus, he wants us, he wants us to run this race with discipline, but also with humility. To realize that, yeah, I am a daughter of the king, and yeah, God loves me, and God's got great plans for me, but that does not mean I need to be filled with pride or think that my way is always the right way. We all have different opinions, and sometimes the question is, do we fight so hard to be right that we lose someone else as part of the journey? Or do we say, you know what, in this moment, it's not about me being right, but it's about me being in fellowship and community with those around me. Okay, yes, thank you. I thought that was a good point, too. 
Am I known in my life for mending fences? And you may sit here and you say, but Carolyn, it wasn't my fault. I didn't start that fight. If they only knew what they did towards me, they should walk with humility. They should pour out love towards me. They should mend fences. They, they, they. And this is something that someone showed me a long time ago, but when we point fingers at someone else, huh, we have three fingers pointing right back at us. And see, and hear me when I say this, and, and hear it the right way. The Lord is far more interested in you becoming like him than what has happened to you. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. The Lord is far more interested in who you are becoming than what has happened to you. Now, he is a God of justice. He is a God of justice. He is a God of order. He, he, we know we can trust him in that area. But sometimes if I'm constantly pointing at what everyone else has done to me or towards me or not done for me, I miss out on what God wants to do in me. I learned a long time ago, the only person that I can control is myself. I cannot control what other people say, what other people do, their attitudes, their actions, whether they appreciate me or not. But I can control what comes out of my mouth, the thoughts that I think, how I treat people. And so as we talk about unity in the church, it has to be with discipline and humility. I don't always have to be right. Okay, I may know that I'm right, but I don't need to push someone else down because I'm right and they are wrong. Can I trust that God, the Holy Spirit, will work on their hearts and work in their life? And maybe if I show an act of kindness, an act of mercy, an act of forgiveness, it gives them an opportunity to make that correction in their life. So what if the other person never apologizes? Does that give me a right not to forgive them? What if the other person doesn't give me credit? Does that give me a right to badmouth them? What if the other person, and you fill in the blank? You see, Ephesians 3, again, Paul is writing this a little bit earlier in the letter to the church in Ephesus, but he says, now to him who by his power within us, is able to do far more than we ever dared to ask or imagine. You think you can't forgive someone? Well, the good news is God's power is inside of you, so you have the ability to forgive someone. You think that you cannot love someone? Well, the good news is you have God's power within you that enables you to love someone. You don't know if you have enough compassion for someone else, but good thing that God's power is strong enough that you can show compassion. You just got to tap into the power that God has for you and then live that life. And he's going to do more than you ever dared or even dreamed or imagined that he could do in you and through you. As we look in the letter again that, that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, he's asking in a sense, who are you journeying with? You see... If I want to run a half marathon, what did I do? I dove into websites. I had people that I ran with, other people who were interested. I didn't necessarily hang out with the friends who wanted to go to McDonald's and get the caramel sundae that was super yummy because that wasn't going to help me to prepare me for the race I was going to run. 
Or my kids wanted to go through the drive-thru at Tim Hortons to say, ooh, let's have a donut. That wasn't going to help me to get me ready for the race that I was running. A mentor of both Brian's and mine, she said, and it has stuck with me all these years, but it's, she said this, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. So who you spend time with, who you hang out with will determine where you are going. So if you are a dreamer, you are someone who wants to accomplish things in life, you want to partner your life with someone who's also a dreamer, someone else who dares to take risks. You don't want to partner yourself with the couch potato, the person who never gets off the couch and doesn't go outside and doesn't socialize with people. Because that friendship, that relationship isn't going to push you to where you need to go. And Paul says it. He says, you were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together. You want to learn how to pray? Hang out with someone who knows how to pray. You want to learn how to worship? Hang out with someone who knows how to worship. You want to learn how to give and how to be generous? Hang out with someone who is generous. You see, who we hang out with is who we become. And so yesterday, we had Propel Women. Once a month, we get together some women from all different churches, and we want to grow in our leadership. And yesterday, we were talking about prayer and how prayer impacts us. And our video wasn't working. Things weren't working the way they were supposed to yesterday. So we just took a moment. We're like, you know, we're going to stop the video, and we're going to just pray for each other. And there we sat in that living room, and we shared what was going on in our life. And someone else partnered their faith with me, and we got to pray for each other. And all of us had different things. But in that, as I heard other women pray, I was like, I was inspired by their faith. I was inspired by their words. I was inspired how passionate they were. And so again, I want to grow. I want to become more like Christ. I need to surround myself with people who are going in the same direction Now, does that mean I just throw everyone else to the side? No, but you invite them to come with you. We say here almost every week, be a bringer. Bring someone with you. And it's a simple invitation. Hey, I'm going to church tomorrow. You want to come with? Hey, we're going to be at church at the park, and we're going to play cornhole, and we're going to have a cake because it's Mother's Day, and we're going to have face painting. You want to come with and hang out? Bring people along with you on the journey, but make sure as you're on this Christian walk that you surround yourself with people who are going the same direction and who will challenge you and who will encourage you along the road. At the end of um, verse 6 there in Ephesians 4, Paul starts talking about one faith. There's that common theme in those verses He talks about one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. And you may be like, okay, well, why is is he urging the church in Ephesus all this oneness? Well, if you read the history of what was going on in the city of Ephesus, what it was was they had a culture of worshiping many, many different gods. They had a God for almost anything. You were sick, there was a God for that. If you were hungry, there was a God for that. If you needed love, there was a God for that. And so they would go to the different temples to find the different gods to meet their needs. And so Paul, he's saying, hold on. You are believers now. You are Christ followers. You can't be mixing in your Christian faith with all of these other things. 
Because in them, you will not find life. You will not find joy. You will not find contentment. And so he's saying, I want you to know that there is one master. There is one faith. There is one baptism, one God, and one Father. You have to know what you believe and why you believe it. If we want unity, we have to stand on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Now, I can stand up here and I can share great scripture verses with you and inspiring messages, and I can encourage you. But I could also be standing up here and saying a lot of crazy stuff. The way that you know if it's true or not, you need to deep dive into the Bible. Is what she's saying is true. Or maybe you were raised in a certain way and taught this is true and this is faith and this is what it means to follow Jesus. And you know what? you got to find out for yourself. Now, majority of the stuff we may have been raised with is 100% accurate. But there could be some things that we are holding on to and uh, modeling our life after that actually is not biblical. And so we have to do a deep dive into our faith. Maybe you've listened to a great podcast. There are a lot of great podcasts out there. But you need to know if this is truth or not. And the way you know is by reading the Bible. But it's not just about reading the Bible or memorizing scripture verses, but it is applying it to your life. And I think that is why Paul says in the beginning there of Ephesians 4, he says this, and I just love it because he makes it so clear there in the beginning. I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road that God has called you to travel. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me? I want to close with one final story. And it is a story that if you have been in church, you probably have heard it. I remember hearing it in kids' church. There was even a a song with hand movements. I can sing it for you later. I just won't do it in the microphone on the platform. Uh, But, begin the who's born on the strand. Begin the hus på grus. Kanske verkar det okej, okay, men en dag du ångrar dig. Du får bygga huset en gång till. Okay, I just sang for you. There you go, there you go. But here we go. <laughs> Those were pathetic applause, thank you. I will remember not to sing that song again. But we're going to look at Matthew 7, and it is a story that Jesus says, or tells his disciples. But he says, Everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. We want to build our life on the rock. We sang earlier the song, Cornerstone. 
Christ is my cornerstone. It is what holds my foundation so strong, so steady, that I can count on it. When nothing else makes sense, when everything else seems like it's falling apart, I know that Jesus Christ is the foundation that I can stand upon. And so when storms come and life happens and junk happens and people don't treat me right, I can say, but my feet are securely on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And things are not going to collapse. They're not going to fall apart. And guess what? God's going to get me through it. He's going to get me through it. And because of it, I'm going to be even stronger. My faith will be deeper. My hope will be greater. The grace that I've experienced will be life-changing. And so we talk about unity Unity around Jesus Christ. You see, the God we serve is a God of unity who desires that his church live in unity built on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. Now, I know we've gone a little bit over, and I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball here to Bailey, but I'd like us just to sing through Build My Life, just through um, just the beginning of it, because we're at a spot here today Maybe we're building on sand. We've built on sand because we didn't know better. We didn't know that we could build our life on Jesus and his truth and his love and his acceptance. And so with, with every eye, we're going to just do out of privacy for everyone. If you would just close your eyes, I want to do an invitation. If you've been sitting here and maybe your heart has been pounding a little bit, maybe you have felt something you have never felt before, and you go, yeah, I heard Brian earlier talk about giving God a year of his life. And I've never done that. I've never said, Jesus, come into my life. Be Lord of my life. But I want to try this. I want to build my life on a foundation that, that won't fall away when life storms come my way. And it's a simple prayer of just asking Jesus to come into your life. And if that is you, if you say either this is your first time or if you want to make a recommitment, I want you to just raise your hand. If that is you and you just want to accept Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior, you can just quickly raise your hand and then you can put it back down. He desires a relationship with you. He desires to be the Lord of your life. So if we can do this to pray with everyone in the room, if you would pray with me, just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, Thank you that you have saved me. Today I invite you in to be Lord of my life. Today I choose to make you my firm foundation. Thank you that I don't have to really do anything but to say yes to you. Amen. Great day today. Great day. So I'm going to have Bailey just lead us just a little bit in this worship song. And these are great moments where you can just give God whatever it is that's going on. Lord, help me to learn how to build a stronger foundation. Teach me how to pray, how to worship, how to give you of my time and my resources and everything that I have.